Hi guys, welcome to the Try New Frequency with Amber podcast. My name is Amber Chanel and I'll be your host. My podcast is for anyone who loves music videos and living a life of synchronicities. A focus will be on music videos from back in the day when MTV actually played music videos. My goal is to help challenge old ways of thinking, to have an open discussion about music videos and to connect it to our current reality. I live a life full of daily synchronicities and would love to have you join me on my journey. And I'll also be bringing on spiritual experts to interview. So let's have fun, listen to great music, and raise the frequency in our lives. Welcome back, everybody. Super excited to have you all here. I'm going to get to talk about a fun subject today, the Chicago Cubs. was wondering how I was going to get my brother and my dad on the podcast and decided to go back to sports. It was a theme that really resonated uh, throughout the years growing up. So welcome to my dad, Ray, and welcome Justin, my brother. Hello. Hello. Well, to get started today, I think it's going to be important we go back. Obviously, Justin, I have a feeling you and I know where we got the Chicago Cubs interest from a little little ones on dad what got you started i guess into becoming a cubs fan well it went way back to my brother arnie took me out back in the mid 60s that's when i started in about 1966 to tell you the truth everybody that we all knew the big famous names the fergie jenkins and the ron santos and the ernie banks and the billy williams But to be honest, the first player I ever remember was Adolfo Phillips, a center fielder, was the first Cub player I can ever remember, Adolfo Phillips, who didn't turn out to be that good. Probably like a Corey Patterson of my generation. Yep, probably, yeah. Yeah, that's something I haven't heard of before, but that's interesting. That is cool to know. So did you just like, the first time you really see anything with the Cubs, you just got taken to a game or you had like listened on the radio or something before oh, that a little transistor radio that I had gotten way back. Just a and real small transistor. That first game. Yep. I don't remember exactly how it got me, but it sure got me started way back then. About nine years old. Yeah. I actually probably started doing a little more, maybe younger, probably younger than that. Because I introduced it that soon. Yeah. Dad had us playing ball before we could walk. Come on. You know, it's funny. They talk about diehard Cub fans. To me, as far as I'm concerned, that's realistic. That's a real thing. I can't stay away from it. It's almost like a sickness. The World Series didn't really change. I mean, it changed maybe a little bit, but it's still like, like, oh, it'll be different once they win. You're not going to care as much anymore, but I don't know if that's really – it may take a little sting away at times when you think back on at least you have like an ultimate memory or something but but besides that it's still kind of like you still want to win every year he believes cubby blue so dad you were well after the uh billy goat curse yep do either of you know kind of how that came to play fully well i know that there was a tavern owner out there or whatever that wanted to get into the game and yeah, he thought he was going to bring his goat, and that pissed him off. So he put the curse on him back in the day, as much as I know. They kind of went by that. I did a little research because I was like, 
what? I could bring Kinnick to a game? Was that in like the 40s? I believe it was like mid 40s, 45 or 46. It was the 1945 World Series. Yep. Billy Goat he attended game four of the series with his pet goat. During the seventh inning of the game, they asked to leave the stadium because the goat was bothering other fans. So the goat actually made it in there. He got angry and cursed the Cubs, saying that they would never win a World Series as long as they played at Wrigley Field. So that was the history there. Yeah, no, it's kind of interesting, though, thinking about if it was like a support animal or what. Or why would there be a goat to begin with? Like, Makes me think of that guy who probably doesn't want to go back to Wrigley Field. Oh, Bartman? Bartman, yes. Where's Bartman? I mean, I, I can sympathize with him a little more than some random goat story. Like, I don't really – or it makes more sense, I guess, that, like what happened with him. And See, I actually kind of respect the Bartman guy because he's never really tried to make money off of that whole situation. So, Dad, I'm intrigued. When was your first game that you actually went to? That, that I can't exactly tell you, but, well, it was before the – the 1969 team, that is something we're going to have to talk about. That was probably the greatest team they ever put out that summer. So I would guess it was in 1967 or 68 when Arnie took the family. and Because by then, Mark and Kevin and them would have been rather young, but probably five, six years old. I'd have been about 12 is what I'm figuring. That's so took- cool. This is the first... We're hearing of this. Exactly. I know you took me when I, I think my mom was pregnant with me when you guys went, but I think you took me as baby. I almost think so too. Maybe not baby, baby, but. Four. I remember the game at four years old going to the one because the guy behind us, I still recall it had a blue shirt on and he fed me Oreos (laughs) to keep my interest. So I definitely recall that game. Justin, when was your first game? Yeah, see, I don't, uh, I don't know for sure. I mean, I remember a lot of games, but I don't remember like, or say like yeah. what age. But I'm guessing that probably one around that same time. I actually kind of thought about like trying to base on how when I would take my kids for the first time, depending on when maybe I would have went. But it's hard to, it's hard to know. It looks like we have a, we have another Cub fan on the loose. <laughs> nice, sweetie. Hey. I was hoping they'd be sleeping like one snuck out thinking um i've actually taken uh my oldest is 12 now and she went probably well nobody's been to wrigley field but i did take her to a game in arizona i believe in 2015 summer of 2015 when she was probably about about to turn six awesome so We're going to go on to a tradition, you guys. The bleachers has always been my favorite spot. And the tradition going back at Wrigley to throwing the balls back if you catch it from the opposing team during a home run ball. Any funny stories or incidents with this? Well, all I know is I can tell you from a price standpoint, way back in the day, that was the cheapest seat you could get for $6 or that. Boy, that was, and then it got to be where it transferred over to being the best seat in the house to where now you can't hardly get a ticket out there for under whatever, $75, $80, $80 or better. Now that's supposed to be the hot seat out there. 
Yeah, and that's interesting because I think that's where the um, the term bleacher bums came from is the fact that that used to be more of like a – I mean, I think it was kind of seen as like a party situation, like more so than the rest of the stadium, but also, like you said, probably the cheapest seats. And, and also what kind of made that too is that I don't know – I didn't realize until probably five, ten years that the Cubs, even to this day yet, it's not quite as much. They're one of the few teams that still play quite a few day games. And so that's kind of been a topic for – I think a coach went on a rant one time about how the fans that were booing there, they're only – the ones that are there are like homeless or they're bums because they don't – they're obviously not working to go to the day games and stuff like that. So, so yeah, so that's kind of where – I don't know if you don't realize that, like that the Cubs didn't even start playing a night game at Wrigley until like 1988 or 9, which sounds kind of crazy that they didn't even have lights until like 32 years ago. Because I think it was part of partially like a city ordinance that Wrigleyville, since it's which most stadiums aren't like in the middle of a town, but or in the middle of a city. But that city had an ordinance that they couldn't play past a certain time, and so for the longest time they couldn't even do a, a night game at all. Which now it's a little different, but like I said, the Cubs still play more games during the day. I think just by tradition than any any other team in baseball. You know who that manager was Justin that Lee Elia. Yeah, I think I think he passed away in the last year or so. Right. I've had my share of instances maybe shouldn't be talked about out in the bleachers when I back in my heyday when I used to do a lot of partying, being a bunch of guys. And this is a true story that Daryl Strawberry back in the day for the Mets, he was into his drugs and everything, and he was one you could pester. Well. I got on a jag and I pestered him loud. That's when you could get by out in the bleachers, hollering at players and saying things. Well, it got to a point by the second, third inning, he couldn't even, without turning around looking at me, he couldn't even stand to be out pretty soon. Here his manager took him out of the game. And everybody said that was why, because I bothered him to the point. He couldn't focus. What position did he play? Like what? Right field. Well, we sat right. towards right field, down way low. I knew he played the outfield, but I just I didn't know which yep. position. He was having his issues with everything, and of course, I played on it. Was that when he was with the Mets? With the Mets. Funny that you say that. The only time I've gotten to holler really was at Fukudome uh, with my friend in the front row down there, and it would have been in right field line as well. But he didn't understand what we were saying. So, obviously, that's a little different. I love your stories. The Chicago Cubs stories you have, you need to share. And I'm just sitting here looking at inflation. $6 to 100 it it really resonates with what's going on today with inflation. Leads me to, and it probably ain't something just to talk about. That was another deal. The time when I went out there with the guys, and I so badly wanted to get up to the booth, the broadcast booth, by Harry Carey to sing, talk an inning and sing the song or whatever. And I slipped and fell down the, I was covered with some blood and blood on my t-shirt, everything. I think uh, back then it was probably more of kind of like a joke and they didn't make a big deal. I bet if you attempted to do something like that now, that could become like a pretty serious ordeal. You probably wouldn't be able to even get as close as you probably even did then. Right. I'll bet I got halfway up the staircase. They would have stopped me. I seen the security, but 
down I tripped. I think I tried to hurry back down and I slipped on the wet steps and <laughs> cut my arm. And uh... Well, because I was talking to somebody the one time that didn't really know a lot about Wrigley. And I don't know if it's always been this way. Has the bleachers always been like separated from if you have a bleacher seat? Like I'm guessing like that day you didn't you didn't sit in the bleachers and that's why you had access to the booth or or was there times where you could sit in the bleachers and still get to no. the other side of the Oh, I was I didn't, I didn't think that was ever the case, but no, we were sitting behind home plate actually that time. All right, I figured, but I just it just made me think that I didn't know if that was I figured that was never a thing that was allowed. And I don't know if a lot of people know that. Yeah, you can't get around the whole stadium even today. Love the stories that you can carry on from generation to generation. They're a lot of fun. I'll say that. Justin, I'm surprised you always make it on Big Ten Network and like on the screen for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Have you made it on the big screen for Cubs? I don't know about with the Cubs. Um, I do know this last uh this last year I actually seen probably one of the better games of the actually I think the last two games I've seen at Wrigley were actually probably two of the more memorable game. It's actually kind of interesting that it was about a. I went the second to last time I went was actually in 2016. I believe it was right after they had acquired uh, Aroldis Chapman that year that they won the World Series. And the game I went to, I think they got down real big and uh, Cubs were able to come back in like the eighth and ninth inning against the Mariners, I believe. It actually ended on, and I was sitting in the bleachers, and it ended on like, I think John Lester laid down like a suicide squeeze with the bases loaded in the 10th inning, which seems kind of strange. He was like, he was like a pinch hitter or something. And uh, they ended up coming back and winning that game. And then I actually didn't go to a game after they won the World Series until, which COVID kind of might have played into some of that, but I didn't go until this last year around my birthday and seeing the the Saturday of the Cardinals sweep this last year that was probably about the high point of the Cubs season. They were probably about 9 or 10 over 500, tied for first place. That was a game that we ended up getting tickets to the Oh, yeah. Not realizing it. Yeah, so that ended up being – and I had a pretty good time. But, yeah, I don't know if it ever – I was getting pretty wild at the more recent, the Cardinals one. That was probably one of the few times I've actually, you know, drank. Actually, to be honest, a lot of the Cubs games I went to, I haven't really – Drank a whole lot, and I think that's typically when I've – because that's actually happened, like, with the Hawkeye game. <laughs> like, that was happening, and that's part of, I think, the reason. This last t- Cubs-Cardinals game was probably about the one or two times that I've actually even drank at a game. But I, I don't think I made it on, but it was uh, – I definitely – I think I was – it was really hot around that time, and I kept heckling the – which sounds kind of silly now, but kept making jokes at the center fielder who had, like, long sleeves on and just kept yelling at it. Like, it was less sinister than, like – making fun of a drug addict or, or something to that effect. It was more just like, hey, buddy, it's 100 degrees. Why do you got long sleeves on? Cut them off, blah, 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 stuff like that. So, Actually, that's the game before the next day, the Sunday. That was the high point of the Cubs season last year. I put out and made up a big sign that Sunday, put my brooms out, all because they were in first place after that Sunday game. Then they went on that 11-10-9, 11-game losing streak. And that was the beginning of the end. I th- yeah, they were waiting for an opportunity to be able to sell off some guys, and they kind of had somewhat of an – I mean, you could still question if it was exactly the right situation, but they definitely, after that game – it wasn't quite after that game because I was sitting there like, they lose all those games right immediately. And technically, I don't think they did because I think a game or two after that was actually the Cubs threw a note, which people probably don't remember, Cubs threw a no-hitter. Oh. Yes, they did. That and was the beginning. At, of the, at the Dodgers. And then after that game, I'm pretty sure they went on like a 10-game losing streak. So it was like two or three games after, after the game that. I went to. And that was, 
yeah, it's kind of it's almost kind of like forgotten about completely. But yeah, it's kind of interesting. Love it. And dad, you always made us, well, you had me make, I believe for the most part, the signs when we were growing up out there to get on TV. I think we've gotten on there once or twice. Well, tell you the truth. I've still got some of the signs made up for when me and the two boys went to games because we got that 10 year gap for a few months when I might turn 55 or whatever. And Justin's turns like 25 and Blake 15 that we always had that to wear. And then we'd change it to the next time. It was a certain day that we'd take out. I don't know. I don't think we ever got it on TV out in the bleachers even or that. Pretty sure that you guys were close to a home run ball in the last, at least the last yeah. decade. I don't know. How well, that was Addison Russell home run when them, Guys were sitting right ahead of us. We got right on TV because I think you even posted it or somebody did. Was that in the summer of not years ago? Yeah, probably. That might have been 2017. 2017 or 18, I think. Yeah, we were that close to it. (laughs) Paisley's funny without even trying. She just put a pot lid on her head. She just goes to me, Dad, I'm a pothead. (laughs) (laughs) I thought she was going to be a podcast. That's what I thought she was being unique about being a podcast. Nope, just a pothead. She's a pothead. That's pretty good. So the last time I went there, I did have two signs. I'll brag because I know we did make it on there. Back in 2011, so it's been a while. We did make it on. I don't know if it was the We Dig the Long Ball and it was a bunch of us ladies out there or winner lose we still booze but we have pictures so the memories do remain for that you know all the years i went i couldn't even tell you i wish i'd have kept track now but i would say since i never missed a year i went a lot more when i was younger not married or that but i'll bet i went half a dozen times a summer oh i can remember the days when i wasn't well it was in my late to my teens i went with Roger Trinkamp, a neighbor, and this old fella that liked the Cubs, George, he was handicapped kind of, so we always parked, got to park close and got to go in there. I can't think of his name, but he had his leg taken off in a, at one time, George, and I can't remember his last name. The funny part about George, though, I'll never forget the time we sat in our, our row and some guy was trying to butt past him. And he, of course, he liked to keep his legs. The one was cut off. The other one, <laughs> the guy was going to go past us. And George looks back. He says, ah, you're ticking. He says, he looked up. He goes, I think you belong up there somewhere. And me and Roger got, it might not sound funny to you, but at the time he said it, it was hilarious because it pissed him off that he was trying to slip in by us. And George wanted to see his ticket. So he told him, I think you belong up there somewhere in the upper deck. <laughs> That's funny. It sounds like something I could hear you saying to someone. Yeah. yeah. So now I've got a question for you both. This is a big one. Oh, and I, I'm going to answer it as well. Many ask clearly years prior to 2016, and they're starting to tease again and asking, why would anyone root for losers? What's your take on that? Well, what I said way earlier about being a diehard, 
it's it's kind of a sickness. It gets in your I I can't stop it even now. Even before they won. I I'm lucky my wife doesn't care. She knows how much I love to watch ball games. So I sit and I've probably watched almost 150 out of the 162, if not listen on radio if I can. I just have to be part of it the whole season. You know what's funny, Dad? You used to have us record on VHS, and we'd have to rewind and re-record if you were working back when. I think I even recorded over some of my little kid plays uh, to make sure we had the Cubs game on for you when you got home. Well, I can tell you, even at my work, place of work, the creamery back in the day and where I finished up at down there, the guys all knew Mr. Cub there, me. I was the big Cub fan. They'd always tease me about everything until the 2016 finally come along. I kind of get irritated at times because I hear like even like other fan bases or I I, I don't know if I hear it much from Cub fans, but they kind of talk about how the whole last kind of Cubs group that we had that ended up winning a title that it was kind of a overall it was a disappointment because they didn't win more than one. But I feel like as long as you won at least one, I don't really, especially with the Cubs history, I don't really know how that could be seen as a, as like a disappointing time overall and to be like, yeah, it can be a little bit like they could have done more, but, you know, making it to three uh, NLCSs in a row and, uh, you know, making, you know, I guess they never made a second World Series, but um, just winning it, like to me, that still was a success with that group. But there's still people sometimes even like, re- I've been like, Cubs really screwed that up with some of the trades they made and they could have won two or three, like, that's pretty rare to, you know, there, there's people that have loaded up and haven't even won one. So the fact that they at least won one, I, I just, I don't know, with the whole like loser thing or like you can't be lovable losers and then win a title and still be seen as a disappointment. So that's just kind of what I wanted to add to some of that. I like what you both said. I mean, my, my opinion is I feel like it's not about winning or losing. Clearly losing sucks. Nobody wants to lose, but the loyalty is so important. Nothing bothers me more than the, you know, bandwagon people joining after it. But the diehard fans, you'll see those all across. Every team has their diehards, I feel. There's something unique about the diehard Cub fans. And, I mean, it speaks volumes when you can say that there's nothing like the bleachers experience at Wrigley and that it's like a bucket list item. I mean, I've traveled all across the nation for work and people would say talk to me about locations and bucket list items and my years of sales and I said the one place it didn't matter where I went you should go is Wrigley Field there's but you have to do the bleachers it's all about the experience there you know something else I'd like to add to what we're just saying there you know what I like to think back at think of all the people that were Cub fans that passed on before they got the opportunity, you know, that even was hitting me, even though I was only about 60 years old, I was starting to think when possibly am I ever going to see a world series, you know, back in that day. Well, what tickles me is my, the one that always took me, Arnie, that passed away in 2018. He made it to get to see the Cubs win the world series in 16. And actually that's the fall that hurt my wife's dad passed away. We were right in the midst of the playoff during the time Pat Black passed away in October of the 16th. So you're right in the middle of the playoffs, not the World Series yet, but it was the playoffs during that time when he passed on. And he kind of 
even like the Cubs, not a diehard, but like the Cubs also. I love that you bring that up because I'll tell you what, I remember you were my first call after the game because I know what I was doing. I did have my dog at the time wearing a jersey, but I called you because I was like, huh, is this going to happen in my existence in reality? Is this going to happen to my dad's? And when it happened, you know, everyone always joked around, you know, oh, once it happens, someone can finally go. And I'm like, dad, you're still around, right? You know, um, it was just kind of a joke there. But I'm I'm glad you got to see at least one in your lifetime. I'm hoping we see another. Well, you go back and figure, I said I started following him in 66. So 2016 is 50 years later. It took me 50 years of following him to finally have that happen. So it was quite a thrill. And I just sat at home to watch it. I could have went up to the bars and all that and really went to town that, but I, nope. I said, and actually, Justin was at my house that evening, I think, to watch that. And Blake. No, yeah, Blake no, that was, was, not, that was nice. Cool. I was able to, I think I was able to get off work and come back for, um, yep. come back for all that. I actually, yeah. actually, it was kind of uh, funny though that I actually almost missed, missed the last yeah. inning because that whole rain delay situation. I think many maybe thought that it was going to get postponed and it was getting kind of late. And so I ended up heading back home. I lived a couple hours away and got to about Spragueville, yeah. and, uh, which is only two, three miles out, turned the radio on and they were back getting ready to play again. And so I really didn't want to miss, I didn't really want to listen to it all on the radio if they actually won it. So I turned back around and came back to dad's house and was able to finish watching probably the last half hour, 45 minutes. Yeah. Hey, you guys, got to ask, who do you think were the strongest duo with the Cubs? Because I've got mine as either, I don't know whether to pull more of a Sandberg and Grace or Rizzo and Bryant. What about you guys? Wow. Probably have to go Rizzo Bryant because they actually got it done. That's the only reason. The only thing I'm going to differ on is that uh, I would say like Ernie Banks and Billy Williams, because we're talking about Hall of, which I guess Sandberg was a Hall of Famer, but. I think those other three are going to fall a little short of uh, any type of accolade in that regard. Strictly on what you're saying, then, yeah, I'd probably go Brian and Rizzo. And it's funny, them two ended the World Series. Bryant picked up the ball through the first game over. You had to be present there's, to see that because I, I did not know that. There's actually talks that, uh, that Rizzo might be coming back, which would be, I guess, kind of fun. He would be amazing for sure. Well, I just recall the Sammy Sosa get talking about probably the best game that I've witnessed at Wrigley would have been when Sosa hit. What was that, Dad, when we went? 66? September of 98. Yep. We well, had you were with two, Justin, at that game? Yeah. The company, Blake, would have been back home at well, maybe one year old. I don't know if he stayed at Grandpa and Grandma's because even Lisa went. My wife went to that too because it was all four of us. It was a bus trip from my comp- our company there or whatever, did them parties or wherever you chose what you wanted to do for the summer. If you just remember, we went to a park first there in Chicago and had a like a meal that they fed us. I think it was just a sack lunch. And then to the game, I'll never forget throwing him up in the air when Sammy jacked them home runs. He was about 10 or 11 years old. Remember me hoisting him up in the air. I just couldn't believe what was happening but you know what's funny about that is the day before the Saturday game was wild as all hell and I was half but I said yeah they put on such a performance on Saturday 
wild game that was like double figure comeback or that they won in by scoring a lot of runs. And here, if we didn't turn around on the Sunday and have one that just was even better because of the McGuire Sosa home run deal, that that's the best one I've ever. Yeah, I'd have to be the best one ever. Uh, I was just going to say that I think it was September 13th of 1998. Yep, it was. Yes, it was. And it was against the Milwaukee Brewers. Yep. When you were going to talk about, I think, uh, like a two-homer game for Sandberg back in, was it 84 or 89? 84. Off of Bruce Suter, the best relief pitcher in baseball. It was so unreal. Even the, it was on like NBC or the Fox that day, and that announcer just, it ended up being the Ryan Sandberg game. It was just unreal. It was, it was like a Saturday game, like Saturday game yep. of the week or something. Game of the week. Was that the Phillies? No, it was the Cardinals. Bruce Suter. Yeah, I was thinking Cardinals. Cardinals. For some reason, I thought there was a Phillies game that was real wild, too. But... Well, there was. That one is memory. But they actually, too, but that might have been one they actually lost. They lost. Mm. 26 to 25 or 25 to 24, something. Mike Schmidt hit four home runs in that game that day. There's been okay. so many. I, I could sit there and talk about so many games that it's it's incredible. That I guess that shows how much I followed them and watched them. So. You know what's sad, though, is you think about it, Harry Carey never did get to see. And that was one thing he was quoted on. Someday the Cubs will be in the World Series. He didn't get to see one, did he, in this nope. reality? Nope. And neither did Ron Sandel. Did he? I don't think he did either. No, I think that was uh, – I think he passed away maybe like 2014. What I was going to say, though, I think the anniversary of Harry Carey's death is – I think it's on Valentine's Day. Um, oh, I think really? he died on Valentine's Day of 98. He, so he actually died right before one of their playoff years, where it was back when they only made it about once every five to ten years, and that it was that 98 season. Synchronicity, I tell you, that us three – are getting on and getting to uh, discuss all this. I'm excited. So now we're going to do a little trivia, you guys. You are Chicago Cubs pros. Whoever wins will get a twenty extra $20 in scratch-off tickets. And, Blake, you're not going to be in on that. <laughs> so we're going to go with he, – He couldn't – he wouldn't stand a chance anyways, so. No. Blake wouldn't stand a chance anyway. <laughs> that's so funny we're calling on blake to join potentially but we're gonna go with whoever it's not gonna be multiple choice so i'll let you each answer obviously you can see where i come from we like to fast talk so i'm gonna have to do some editing here but we're gonna do some trivia and i want to see who wins i've got the tally board going here so we'll start out with justin just because you're younger what team did the chicago cubs face at the 1918 world series uh, New York Yankees. What do you think, Dad? Wow. No, I don't believe it was them, but then I might be getting mixed up with the, oh, you know. Can I give a I'm, second answer? I'm not going to give the Detroit Tigers because that was that, it. That's who I was thinking about, but yeah. I'm thinking, I'm going to go either the, well, I can't pick two. It could have been the Chicago White Sox. But I think, oh, oh, I can't say another answer now, can I? I if you Cleveland, can call it out, because I bet if you want with your gut. I don't think Cleveland it was the White Sox. Cleveland Indians? No, you guys, it was the Boston Red Sox. Oh, it was. Boston. 
Austin Red Sox. I picked the hardest questions out there, you guys. Now, this one will go with, Justin, you've got to answer this one first because I know, I have a feeling I know Dan knows this. Who is the manager for the Chicago Cubs in the year 1995 to 1996? That was the only time he was manager? Or you're just saying he could have been longer, but you're he just He could have been longer, yeah. Jim Riggleman? You got it. So yeah, he- I know for a minute. Like, well, I know he. I know he managed longer than that, but he did have something only made or two. Record that year was seventy three and seventy one, and the Cubs got in third place in their division. Well, that must have been a shortened season then. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Seventy three and eighty nine. If it was a regular one hundred sixty two game schedule, but you know they did have a shortened season that. But I don't know if that was the one. Was that for COVID back then, too? You know what? Didn't they have, like, a standstill? That was probably that year. Yeah. Well, oh, I know they did They did a 90, what, 94 or 95? So, I don't think it, I don't think it really went into I – don't, I don't know. I, I think that yeah. more happened, like, it shortened the season. Midway through, it wasn't – didn't cut off, like, the beginning of the season or anything. Just ended it prematurely. You've got one on the board. Dad, I'll let you answer this one next. What team did Andre Dawson play on before the Cubs? Hey, that one I will know. The Montreal Expos. Ding, ding. Yes, you got it. Awesome. So we're tied up. Now, either one of you can guess this one, okay? So whoever answers it quicker. Where was the field that Sammy Sosa smashed a 444-foot home run in? Was that, like, considered his longest or something? It was the longest known hit there since that time. Coors Field? I'm going to just say as a guess, because they play them a lot, Bush Stadium in St. Louis, neither one. Huh? It says 1998 was Turner Stadium. You said Turner? Wouldn't that be the Braves? Oh, that's the Braves. If she said Turner Field. It, Turner Field, yep. The ball was hit dead center on May 22nd, 1998. That doesn't even yeah. seem like that long of a run based on the fact that there's a lot of guys now that are hitting like, which maybe, the, which though that was the year they said steroids was going on, but you got guys now hitting like 470, 480. That's why when you said 444, I'm like, what well, makes that? So, I mean, that's not small or short, but that's not like, wouldn't even be the longest one from this last season. Exactly. So neither on that one. I think Justin, we're going to have to go back to you on, Justin gets this right. There's two nicknames for Ernie Banks. Oh. He'll get him. Mr. Cub. Dad, if you can and... guess the other one, you get the point. Wow. Was it something with double headers? Let's play two or play two. I don't really think that was a nickname per se, but Justin, you got one there. Dad, you can come in and still and get get another point too. I didn't know you, we had two. You of did them. you did do some digging for some of these. I did because people want to learn. If they're going to listen in, they they aren't going to know the answers either. If you Cub pros don't know it, Mr. Sunshine. Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah. See, I never Mr. Sunshine. That wasn't as known, but yeah. Now that she said that, yeah. I said I'd never really. That even played into him. Oh, beautiful sunny day. Let's play two. He always wanted to play double headers and stuff. He always had sayings. Before every year, he'd come up with some funny saying. He'd say, they'd ask him, 
it'd be like a poetry thing. He, I can't exactly remember some of them I thought were pretty corny, but he'd always say yeah, see, it. I didn't know it went to that extent, almost like a haiku or something. Yeah. That's funny. Then this one, whoever guesses it first gets a point. How many, uh, when Sosa, the big year there in 1998, in the battle back and forth with McGuire, do you recall how many home runs he had and how, how many runs he drove in? 66. You got it. 158. Yes. Jesus. That's pretty good. I did not remember the 66. I wouldn't have, I knew he broke Hack Wilson. I think Hack Wilson had the record 156 Cub record. And then he That's got what him. I was wondering why 156 and 158 was sticking in my head. I didn't know. You guys know how excited I am that I was able to trick you guys with some of these because I knew every single one that I looked up research trivia that you guys were going to hands down answer them all right 110%. So I tried to dig deep here. <laughs> Um, to try to get you guys there. Uh, Justin, it looks like you you got the $20 scratch-offs your way. We'll see if it ends up being worth more than 20 next time I'm in Iowa. Sounds good to me. Yep. Now, this is... What's that? Let's play two. <laughs> Go to the casino. Over your lifetime... So, Dad, you're going to have a little bit more experience. We're going to let you talk first on this. What do you feel you would have done differently coaching the Cubs? Wow. I'm going to throw it in there, you guys. He's got well over 40 years coaching experience in baseball. Well, I know I'd have definitely went more during the times I watched him with the hit and runs and the stealing bases. Well, it seemed like the Cub teams like to just play for the long ball. I would have liked to see more quicker players to steal bases and make things happen instead of waiting back for the long, long ball or whatever. He definitely buys more to the uh, – I think it's less of a thing now, like the small ball, like bunning, like bunning guys over from second to third. And, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. I think there's a time and place for each of them, and it's just it, – it, it's kind of up to, I guess, the manager to decide when they shouldn't do that or not. But, yeah, it almost seems like any more managers either do it a lot or they don't do it at all. There's never like, an, and I think there should be more of a, you just randomly do it like every so often. This game you do it, the fifth game from then you don't do it, depending on how the game's going. But it just seems like either a manager's known to do it and they just always do it, or they just never do it. And I don't think it should quite, kind of like going for two in football. There's a time and place for it. I think that's when the manager actually makes a big difference is trying to figure out when that makes the most sense. Strategy-wise, what do you think, Justin? What would you do differently if you were coaching the Cubs? Uh, I mean, if there's certain situations, I mean, I think Joe Madden overall was a pretty good manager, but he really seemed like he kind of changed how he managed once he got in the playoffs and, and almost got kind of uh, weird with pitching changes and leaving guys in longer than they should or taking guys out in the first three, four innings just they gave up one hit or something. Or like if he had like a starter that was in the bullpen – He'd bring him in earlier than he really had to. I think that actually happened maybe in the last the world the last game that they won. I think Hendricks had started and was pitching pretty well, but he had Lester warming up and just decided to, to put Lester in in like the fourth inning. And I think even like changed the catcher. Or something. It got all weird where there was like wild pitches and, and some weird stuff that went on. And for a while there, um, it looked like it might be you know the difference in the game. Plus, um, that playoff run. 
they had really kind of ran, which I said earlier, they got that oldest Chapman. They kind of had ran him into the ground because he was about the only guy that mad. And, and at that time, I don't think the bullpen was that terrible, obviously, to get that far. But he almost relied on Chapman to pitch like two, three innings even, which he hadn't done all year. And then by the last game, he gave up that tying home run. But he had already pitched two or three innings a game before, and he was kind of known as the guy that would, you know, hit like a hundred throwing it, and he wasn't hitting no hundred in that last game. So it was kind of Cubs were a little bit lucky that all he gave up was that one run to tie it, not something more than that before they had a chance to come back and win it. Some of that stuff I might have done a little. For some reason Madden just changed how he managed and got real nervous, which I could see like being a little nervous, you know, in these big situations. But he, you know, he he needs to have more confidence and what he had done all year with him and the players. So that's kind of where I would, they still want it, but it, it was, it was interesting. You could almost notice a difference at times. I know what I would do different if I was coaching is I would have told Bryant he needed to uh, walk me down the aisle. But um, besides that, <laughs> that's in he's my act- dream. He's actually been, I think, like a high school sweetheart, married, so he's he is I'm dreaming on with that <laughs> predictions you guys I'm gonna take a prediction count see if anybody's intuitions on here on when the Cubs will make it to the World Series again I think wow. 2030 oh I'd like to say a touch sooner than that like 2027 or 8 2028 they do have some redoing to do. It, it's interesting, though, because I do think they're going to have uh, opportunities sooner, not just because they might do a good job of rebuilding, but also with this new uh, bargaining agreement, they're going to have almost, I think, 14 teams make the playoffs combined out of So that's basically half the teams make it. And obviously, if you, you have to get in the playoffs to make a World Series, even if you're not considered, you know, because baseball is kind of sport where, you don't necessarily have to have been the, the best team to it. Like even just as last year, the Braves had like the fourth or fifth best record in the National League and won it. I mean, the year the Cubs won it, they were the best and they won it, but that don't happen very often. And uh, so, yeah, I think I think by 2030, I, I don't know, like 20, 2028, yeah, something in that regard. It sounds kind of far-fetched, but like I said, if half the teams are making it, you know, so they could be back in the playoff mix in another year or two, you know, and if you make it four or five, six years in a row – you would think at least getting back there is definitely a possibility if things are done properly. So definitely still, uh, I think, even though what happened last year, I still think there's a lot of positives to look at. That's going to lead into my last question, you guys. How do you feel about the upcoming season? Not so promising, probably, but we'll see. They did get a couple pitchers, starting pitchers in the off season, but didn't make a whole lot of other changes. No, I like to be optimistic. I'd like to hope they can win eight half their games, 81, but I doubt it. I just not real high hope this year. Yeah, I mean, COVID's kind of threw a wrench in some ways of predicting things because actually we're probably literally almost to the day, maybe the, hopefully tomorrow, where they get the season uh, back on track. And Because by now we would probably know exactly how the team's going to look, but with this lockout taking place the last couple months, we don't even know exactly yet they might have three, four or five new players in the next month or so that could really change, you know, the prediction of this upcoming season. So I, I do, I don't know. It's interesting because Cubs have a really young farm system, like literally the youngest in baseball, like really young, like 19, 20 year old guys. But then right before the lockout, they signed one of the better starting pitchers to only a three year deal. So it's, 
they got these young guys they're either waiting on or going to trade because why would you sign a, you know, spend a lot of money on a three-year deal if you have no intentions on trying to win. So I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious. I hope that this baseball stuff gets going back uh, starting tomorrow or very soon. And uh, we can figure out uh, in a couple of weeks, I might have a more positive take, but yeah, right now I wouldn't expect a ton from the Cubs, but based on the signing, like I said, they made right before the lockout. I mean, signing somebody to a three-year deal makes you think, well, they wouldn't spend that money if they had no intentions on or trying to win some games. So yeah, I'd say about 500, 500 would be a pretty good uh, barometer. And depending on what they do in the next couple of weeks with signings could either determine if it's 10 games over 500 or 10 games under 500. I like your guys' takes on the season. I haven't obviously been watching them as much in, since COVID came about, but I need to get back to kind of that. Like I said, it's kind of a weird situation right now because they can't even really – they can't even spend money if they want to because it's technically a lockout. So a lot of guys don't even know what they're playing yet. Hopefully in the next week or two we get that cleared up because you got to think pitchers and catchers are supposed to be reporting by February 20th, and so they can't do any of that unless – like I said, MLB is hopefully going to sign something tomorrow saying game on. Love it. I loved having you guys both on. I think this is something huge that people need to do more with a legacy down the road. I just really appreciate you guys coming on, doing this episode. But I do want to throw this out there. Who do you want to dedicate this episode to? Well, I'd probably have to say my brother, Arnie. Probably. You know, I don't know if it's good or bad but to my to my dad for helping me become a Cubs fan you know it's kind of been a blessing and a curse at times but I don't think I'd, I'd really want to change it and um, I got a lot of memories over the years of uh, radio broadcast even to this day I feel like I have kind of an older soul when it comes to how I take in sporting events I almost prefer to listen on the radio and I don't even know if some people my age even think about using a radio at this point i love that justin that you said that because that's who i was gonna say to dedicate it to for sure um because without dad we wouldn't be here a and we definitely got the knowledge and know-how of sports from him and obviously it's been a good example we have a younger brother that coaches as well so he's led by example there and so thank you dad for all you've done for us well, i appreciate it thanks a lot yes i think what was keeping blake away was that he's actually which i'm not real big into but he's actually cheering on probably the chicago's best chance at a title right now the nba bold basketball team really he's actually yeah he's actually probably watching one of the chicago teams right now right now i think all the others really aren't doing so hot between the cubs bears and blackhawks so Hopefully the Cubs can get back in that upper tier because for a while there it was them and maybe the Blackhawks were the, when the Bulls were kind of Bulls and Bears were kind of struggling, but keep to that time. So, well, I think that what we'll do that obviously there was three songs that'll be put in the show notes today. Uh, one has Harry Carey in it, just speaking though. One of the three, so take a look at that an old favorite that i should probably throw in there too is take me out to the ball game for those that don't get to experience the seventh inning with their teams because they don't do that at every stadium do they no i mean i think tonight there might be like a generic take on it you know like which was interesting i was actually watching a video that you had put it was i don't know if this was something that he did too like at the end of every season he did it after the ninth inning of the last game 
which was kind of, I don't know, you had, I had seen a video you were posting and it was him doing it like after the last out of the, they didn't make the playoffs or anything, but it was just, he sang with the crowd one last time after the ninth inning. Yeah. So he's also another one that we can dedicate the episode to as well, but until the next time, everyone, I do have a couple people coming on in the next week. I'll go into more detail on who we can expect and looking forward to the rest of February. So thank you guys for joining. Stay well and God bless. If you've enjoyed spending time with me today, I'd love it if you'd subscribe to my podcast. You'll find links in the show notes to items discussed during the podcast. Check out the Try A New Frequency website for my top daily music video. I love hearing from all of you. Feel free to send me an email to tryanewfrequency at gmail.com. I'm sending you all love and light until the next time.